0: This is Grumpy Oz Retro, episode six. You may have noticed a slight delay in getting this episode out. That's going to be the new normal. I've moved house. It's a bit of a project. Craig and I, we still wanna get episodes of Grumpy Oz Retro out. So the monthly release schedule we had hoped for, that's probably not gonna happen for the foreseeable future, but we will get episodes out when Craig and I can get together and I can find the time to get them edited. Thanks for your patience. Really appreciate it. One thing that hasn't changed is the swearing. This episode has plenty of it. Not safe for kids. G'day and welcome to Grumpy Olds Retro Episode 6. As you can probably tell, I'm not in the old studio anymore. In fact, I don't have a studio, so this is going to be a little bit less fancy than some of the previous episodes. Normally, I'd stick a drop of our guest in at this spot, but I can't do that. Just take my word for it. Chris Arnell from the National Film and Sound Archive is coming up later on and is well worth listening to. G'day, Craig. How's it going? Yeah, pretty cool, mate. Yourself? Yeah. Oh, mate, I've been heaps busy, but not a lot of retro stuff, I'm afraid.
1: Have you been up to much retro stuff? I haven't really bought anything for like the last three or four, five months because I've sort of been working on my man pad and putting all my cash into that. But I, I think within a week, I bought two C sixty fours and an Amstrad four six four CPC four six four. So yeah, that was just like three random pickups within a week. Uh, one of those sixty fours come with a with a drive, and oh, I was wow. gonna ju- oh, yeah, well, I was just gonna flip it, but it had like a really cool little Jiffy DOS badge on the C sixty four C and also on oh. the drive. Very nice. So you know, like you need an excuse not to sell sell something. So I ended up. I think I'll yeah. keep that one. I got another one there. I'll flip mm. off the other one oh, the other cool thing it come with a 1351 mouse and oh, wow. one of those. yeah and I've moved that I've swapped that out for some games to someone else and come with one of those little joysticks that used to mount on the side like a little thumb joystick that mounts on the side of the C64 so, yeah it's a cool little thing it's like a little base thing that's about oh, two inches long with a little little joystick about an inch high a little thumb joystick with a button on it and it just mounts on the C64 so it's uh, that's pretty cool and look and it was literally I have to thank one of the members in the club and that's one of the good things about being in a club you get you know someone pings me and goes oh there's a thing it was only half hour up the road shot up there grabbed the thing and come back and uh, yeah pretty excited especially when i turned it on and it all worked yeah the other one was just uh, come with a tape drive a bunch of games so i'll probably flip that out but i uh, had some cool games and a couple of joysticks so i was pretty happy about that the cpc i haven't fired that up yet i've just bought the monitor back from my parents house so i do plan i might even fire that up tomorrow if i get some time see if that works i'm pretty excited about that probably tape deck will need a bit of love you know, it's been a while since we've had a bit of a chat. I think two or three weeks ago, I think the last console meet, I accidentally sort of bought an Atari XE GS, which is the 800-800XL series, which is a consolized version, boxed with the light guns and games, a, a cool Atari joystick, and the, and the keyboard, so I was pretty excited about that. Yet again, somebody else in the club sort of said they were moving some stuff on, that they've got too much stuff in their pile, and then, and then he hit me up again, and he goes, I'm selling my Vectrex, and I went, oh, yeah, well, no worries, I better... Yeah, so I need to thank somebody in the club for moving those things on, and he pretty much passed it on to me at, at a pretty good price. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. My other little, I've got a little other pickups. Yet again, someone from the club tagged me in on a Facebook post there, and literally one block away from me, some guy had a whole bunch of C64 stuff. I picked up four or five disc boxes full of C64 games, a couple of box games, a few joysticks, and a 1541 drive as well. So he was just happy to give it away. So, um, yeah so the guy that gave it to me i gave him one of the joysticks in there because he said it was quite quite nice and quite ergonomic and uh, so that was cool i appreciate that he also did a bit of a tradey bit of a swap and i picked up a sharp mz 700 which is a 1982 3 machine
0: oh very nice oh, they're yeah. really cool was that the one with the integrated cassette
1: Kind yeah and thing? plot and a little plotter in it yes a little
0: like, plotter as well i think there was a few different models of that if i recall yeah. some of them had the plotter some didn't they're a very very cool machine very
1: japanese yeah very japanese you know very very technical bit weird it doesn't actually have any basic build into it you've actually got to load it in from tape and uh i mean i did watch a pretty in-depth video from my mate crg he'd uh, completely restored one and yeah he had a few headaches with it but he got that going one of the other guys in the club has offered to give me a tape so i can try it out and load some but otherwise i i um, shit mate i went fucking mad trying to destroy my house trying to find my svi cas and because i was so keen to plug the thing in and get it bloody working and i just couldn't find the thing somewhere i think i might actually dig out an old laptop and just try and load a wave file so yeah that's like been a fair bit of shit coming through the gate this uh, last couple of months so didn't really mean to but it yeah it's not a bad thing Yeah, and so that's me uh, with all my retro shit that I've picked up. What's uh, happening in your retro realm?
0: The only retro thing I've got coming in, hopefully in the next few weeks, is a ZX Spectrum Next. Oh, you bastard. I signed up for the Kickstarter too. I backed that back in 2020, and it's finally starting to get out there. The uh, Europe and the UK, the Nexts have all been delivered. Rest of the world, apparently there's been a little bit of a hold up there, but we should be getting ours pretty soon. I've given them an address because this is a typical bloody timing. I've given them an address, which is a safe address, so I know it'll get to me because the last thing I'd want is for the new people that have bought this house that I'm in now to get this box and go, oh, what the fuck's this?
1: And, you know, oh, send, and, uh, send yes. it to me, Tony. Just send it to my <laughs> place. It'll be safe. Uh,
0: oh, yeah, I'm sure it will be, mate. And you would not be surprised. You know, I was seriously tempted, but that's okay. Not really a heck of a lot in terms of collecting, but once I've settled into my new digs and I've got places to just put stuff, I can see myself getting my current collection, looking all schmick and getting it to where I want it to be, and then perhaps building on it just ever so slightly.
1: That's uh, bloody awesome, dude. I've had my display set up. It's just going to be temporary. I'm going to pack it all away, but it's been out there for three days and I've already had the bloody dust it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, not. Uh, I have to get the feather duster out, don't the retro retro feather duster. sure there's a... Special market for that.
0: Maybe. Are you talking like the ones that were made of the black feathers or the ones that look like Marge Simpson's hair? Because they were the two types (laughs) of feather dust they have when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, yeah, the one you can get in all the nooks and crannies. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said.
0: It's been a while, but we're opening the feed bag once again. Hopefully it's not too full of weevils, which is why I'm letting Craig stick his paws in there and have a nose about, or hooves. Because it's, so, it's a feed bag, isn't
1: it? It is a feed bag. Sorry, mate, i just got to laugh. I just remembered when you said weevil, my old man, he had his bloody wheat germ out one morning, and he's woofing into it, and he goes, oh, this tastes like shit. And my mum comes along, <laughs> and she goes, she holds up the box, and she goes, oh, that's because it's full of weevils. He'd got about three mouthfuls into it. So, yeah, anyway, not part of the feed it's, bag, but. It's protein, mate. Protein, yeah. Oh, anyway, you get that. Um, yeah, look, had a bit of feedback, just generally around the traps. Not even too sure where this come from, but uh, somebody said. Actually, I know who it come from, but I'm just not going to mention their name. They know who it is. They reckon we're not bloody grumpy enough. Actually, another dude. We at work get keep... that
0: every oh. fucking month. We just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and there's no, I mean, we were fired up last month. I forget what it was, but we were just, do they want us to drop bloody sea bombs or something? I mean, you know, we, we can't go that far. But really, I mean, how grumpy do you want us to be? Seriously. I'm
1: getting grumpy, mate, because they think we're not grumpy enough. I'm like, you know, well, sorry. We, we, I don't want yeah, to be no, like I a know, complete but, misery, Guts.
0: But, you know, but at the same time, you know, if you're too grumpy, then you're going to scare off some of the more wholesome people that we want to be able to talk to. Because it's all well and good to, I mean, gr- grumpy, it's, it's almost ironic. But yeah, look, if you want us to get fired up, I guarantee you there will be, there'll be things that we'll get fired up about. But if we were just like yelling all the time, it would get tiresome. It would be like Alex Jones about the conspiracy theories. It would be exhausting. You know, you, you, nobody wants that.
1: I thought it was actually pr- proportional to the amount of Macintosh stories that we did. So we've been a bit light on, <laughs> light on with the Macs lately. So, oh, you know, look, lamp, still, lampshade slinging.
0: I tell you what, the Mac drought's going to continue. I can give you the strong yeah. tip. But um, yeah, anyway, Marchintosh March is coming. So,
1: yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah.
0: But yeah so, so what's in that feed bag is have the weevils taken uh, all the feed?
1: Oh, not quite. quite. Sherpa from the uh, Adelaide Retro, he reckons that uh, just keep doing what you're doing, fellas. When I was chatting to him the other night, he's, he's hes pretty cool. Oh, the guy from Power of Vintage, that Canadian with loves these Atari STs and stuff, he was pretty good. He said, Thanks so much for your shout out. Love listening to your retro podcast while working on retro projects. I agree with you 100% with your grump here. Let folks enjoy vintage computing, whoever they will. Life's too short to get worked up over someone else painting their own vintage computer case or retro writing or using an accelerator or GoTek or a PyStorm, and that's it, you know, just have fun and bloody be happy. So I tend to that's agree with it what, there.
0: Uh, that's what I got fired up about in the last episode. I knew it was something important, but uh, I actually forgot what it was. But yeah, nah, totally, and I'm, I'm so glad to hear that uh, I'm not Robinson
1: Crusoe on that one. One of the Roland brothers with the meanie, he had a bit of feedback there that was all good. A couple of people were pretty excited. Oh, what? He was pretty impressed with Martin's uh, BBS memory, so that's always good. And Michael Nitschke, 98.72, isn't getting grumpy. He's just not putting up with people's shit. So I think that's just a general, uh, you know, retro term. That's the feedback, Tony.
0: The big news, in my opinion, is that the second Kickstarter for the ZX Spectrum Next has finally come to fruition. Maybe I'm a tad biased here, but... uh, Because it's taken nearly three and a half years to get to this point, I can see why so many people are just, you know, relieved that it's finally over. And most backers in the UK and Europe have got their machines now. I think I may have mentioned it earlier. Uh, The rest of us here do need to wait a tad longer. Um, Apparently there's some issue with uh, the courier company over in the UK, where all those deliveries are coming from. They had no problem with the CR2032 cell batteries going in the UK and Europe, but for some reason they seem to have it confused with a rechargeable battery, a lithium battery, and the courier company is refusing to send these elsewhere until that's Le- resolved. So I don't know
1: what the fuck's going te- on there. They're not Teslas. They're not fucking setting no. car parks on fire left, right and centre. Like, oh, no, exactly. I mean, I don't where's know. Electric Je- I- where's Electric Jesus when you need him, you know?
0: Yes, true. I mean, that's, oh, mate, I mean, I can't see there being Those too much bollocks. thermal runaway from a little CR2032, yeah. but hopefully yeah. it gets resolved. I mean, worst case scenario, I mean, I hope hopefully this the Spectrum Next team won't have to open up every single machine and pull out every single coin cell. But if it comes to that, so be it.
1: Yeah, Perth Amiga User Group, they had their meet on the 9th of December. Uh, yeah obviously they had a cracking event I'm very impressed with the prizes that they give out and there's pretty reasonable turnout so here there are going to be some changes to that they're going to try and cut back to maybe one or two meetings a year because there's a reasonable amount of effort and as you know actually ARC pretty much half runs itself so we're lucky but I know the guys in Perth that you know struggle to sometimes get a venue and coordinate it all so yeah stay tuned they've got their YouTube channel and they've got their website so hopefully we'll get a bit of a wrap up from Chris when he's um, he has been out and about so yeah
0: The retro scene here in Australia is a bit smaller than it is in other parts of the world, so we'd like to keep in contact with our friends from all around the country. Craig recently got in touch with Mark Falconer from Amiga Retro Brisbane, who was kind enough to take some notes during their November meet. In fact, Mark didn't just take notes, he made a field recording. And here it is.
2: Here we are at uh, Amiga Retro Brisbane, November 23, and yeah. we're here with Eric Briz. Yeah. Hey man, how you it's doing? Me, Good, good. Excellent, excellent man. What was your first Amiga? How old were you? What was your first memories? Well my first Amiga was not mine. It was my older brother. Uh was about eight or nine, it was a five hundred plus. Nice, nice one. And that was in France? That was in France. Yeah. yeah with one original game. It was it was a helicopter stuff that we watched the intro over and over because it looked like in a real anime, it was amazing. Yeah. Swift? No. No something gunship, like... something? Maybe? Gunship two thousand? Nice. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, awesome man. So what you brought tonight, Grant? Grant? Uh, the 2600. Nice, so we've got a, 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 an intruder in our mist here. But uh, Grant is surrounded by Amiga, so loving that. Yeah, yeah so I got to bring something different, I reckon. That's so it. Everyone else brings an Omega. <laughs> That's it. So Amiga rich from Brisbane, we bring a whole bunch of different machines. We've got Sharp X68000s. We've got Amiga 1200s. We've got 600, 500 minis. All good. Welcome to Amiga Retro Brisbane November Meet, here with Mark Falconer. Mark! Yes? Let us know about your first Amiga and uh, how you came into retro computing. So my first Amiga was Amiga 500 Plus, I got that in Christmas 1991. I put it away for some quite some time. Bought a Mega Drive, and a few years ago, cracked it out, got it working, got rid of all that battery corrosion, and here we are today. Yeah, awesome. beautiful
0: boxed Omega Five Hundred.
2: That is it, Chris. How are you going? Good man. And yourself? You're good man. What are you? What are we playing tonight on a uh, Mega Retro Brisbane? Uh, my Omega Twelve Hundred, which we're building yeah, it's up with I i um, sixty. Yeah. And, nice. Uh, terrible fire, and ah, we've got the A Five Hundred. So that we actually have something that works tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, guys. And here we are with Bradley Fractic. Bradley Fractic. <laughs> playing the 600 on the Bradley Fractic. So, what have you got today, Brad? I was playing the 600, but it's been unplugged from the wall. Ah!
0: I was playing some Rainbow Islands on my beautiful Amiga 600. Nice. The most underappreciated Amiga of all time.
2: That is true. That is really true. So what's in this Amiga 600? So this has
0: got a Fury accelerator. It has an RGB,
2: the HDMI. It's got a RAM
0: upgrade, SD card for the hard drive.
2: Whoa. So So full beast, full source. Fully loaded, fully sick beast. Nice. Awesome. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks to Mark and the guys from Amiga Retro Brisbane for their field report. And hopefully we'll have many more to share from around the place as Grumpy Oz Retro continues into 2024 and beyond. A couple of interesting items from the Australian Computer Museum Society over in Sydney, ACMS. One of these items probably should have got to, well, it's actually been a little while since we've done a pod. So it's been sitting in the back burner for a while. But uh, uh, the Tech One, uh, are you familiar with the Tech One, Craig?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I've mentioned this before. We, I picked up one in a bit of a bulk lot before and didn't really know what it was. And then one of the guys comes along to ARC and he looks at it and he goes, oh, I helped design that. So, um, yeah, we're definitely uh, across the old tech ones. I don't have one, but uh, a mate of mine, he's got one. So, yeah, no, cool little, you know, cool little single board device with a LCD. Very cool.
0: Yeah, it's like a single board uh, microprocessor trainer, uh, basically. I mean, I think it was a fully fledged computer more than a trainer, but it was in that sort of vein. And it was uh, originally uh, released in nineteen eighty three. And for the fortieth anniversary of the Tech One, there's a new version that's just come out, the Tech One G. And there was an official launch of the Tech One G at the ACMS in Sydney, uh, going back a couple of months ago. They originally live-streamed it on Facebook, but uh, the video is there for you to watch now on YouTube, on the Australian Computer Museum YouTube channel. Link will be in the show notes. Uh, Definitely worth checking out. And while we're on the topic of ACMS things, as we all know, December is a big, big month in retro computing. People all get together and they celebrate. (laughs) Dexemba. That's gold. Yeah, on the 16th of December, ACMS had a big thing. We have a bunch of DEC stuff, PDPs and your vaxxers right through to the alphas. And I do like that because, don't get me wrong, I think DOSemba is a great concept. But everyone else is doing it. I like how it's been turned into Dexemba. And who knows, maybe Dexemba will catch on in the same way DOSemba has,
1: Craig. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea, mate. I'd have every month be a mega month if it was me, but, you know, I'm just a bit biased. A mega was supposed to be a thing, oh, but I yeah. don't know
0: if it actually took off. That sounds almost as forced as Marchintosh.
1: No offence, yeah. I mean, Marchintosh Marchantosh is... I mean, you could have... Tandy's pretty finished. cool. Except Tandy's pretty cool.
0: Yes, except Tandy's cool. I mean, the thing is with Marchintosh, why not Macuary instead of January? That, that would be more catchy than Marchintosh. I, li- I like, like Marchantosh.
1: M- really hard to say. Macuary actually does sound like you've got a degenerative disease so i think that's fitting
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get feedback on that craig
1: that's all right that's <laughs> fucking. you get it, when you get too much light from your lampshade <laughs> macuari de- de- degeneration or something anyway it's oh, look, degenerating know, at a serious rate
0: oh look i know plenty of degenerates that use macs but i also know a few that use yeah, windows yeah. machines so make of that what you will
1: Look, we have a bit of a chat group going there, some of the guys from Adelaide Retro, and we just like find these fucking piss takes and it's like some arse clowns put up this Apple 3 on Marketplace for $4,150. So, you know, it gets a post and everyone goes, what sort of crack, crack are they on? We had another one as well. There was a... Three eight six, and it had the fucking shit beat out of it. Like the front floppy drive, the front co- cover was sort of half there, and it'd been smashed up, sm- smashed of smithereens. Like the floppy yeah, drive right. in the front's all bent and knackered. I'll put the link in the show show notes to it. Didn't have any sides on it. Just a pretty bog standard three eight six, and it ended up selling for one hundred and sixty two dollars with eighty three dollars postage. So we're there, like somebody's just paid two hundred fifty dollars for a fucked up three eight six. I mean. Don't get me wrong, the board might have worked. Actually, the other week at ARC, I know we're digressing, old Sherpa, he grabbed this, there was this thing on the free table and it was dented and it was rusted and it looked like a piece of shit. And we all looked and went, no, nah, no, nah, too hard work. And you know what, he took it home that Friday night and by Sunday night he put some pictures up on our group and he'd bloody cut and polished and painted that bloody thing and it looked brand new. So sometimes, yeah, you know, a bit of a mini resto, um, you know, comes yeah. to fruition. So I saw
0: that. Fair play to Sherpa, he did a great job with that one.
1: So Adelaide Retro, we had our December meet, which is December, not December. I don't think there was any decks there, but anyway, good meet as usual. Had a new bloke turn up, and I've forgotten, somebody I was chatting to on Facebook wanted a copy of some old jukebox software, I actually put a video up on to Art. ARC there. Pretty cool little thing with a flat screen, and a touch screen, you can set your jukebox up. So I said I'd bring him a copy of we I tried to send it to him, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he turned up. So the guy turned up, and I gave him the USB stick, and he copied it off, and I, he sort of sounded like he was really busy. And he, he was talking a fair bit, and then I went off, and I can't believe every time I looked up, he was still there. And I reckon, as a new member, I reckon he was nearly one of the last people to leave. So it's great that we're getting some new people. Some of those guys are hanging around and, you know, chilling out and, yeah, talking talking to... Yeah, just pretty much loving everything. So that's pretty cool. We had a bit of pizza and some softies for members. So They all woofed into that, which is always cool. So one thing we like to do at Adelaide Retro for December is that we have a 486 lineup. And I'll definitely put a link to this for Oz uh, Vintage Facebook group. And we did a movie of it. We got the old dolly out, which is uh, pretty cool. So we had 44 machines. So I took six eight sixes down as as you do to help out the um yeah we were looking at the guinness book of record but it was $12,000 to actually enter into the guinness book of record if you were serious so yeah we're probably not going to make the grade there but we'd like to be pretty keen to see if other groups out there could actually see if they could beat the old 44 uh, 486s in a lineup so that's pretty cool there was a Tandy 1000 there which I'm a bit of a fan of I'd love to have a Tandy 1000 one day Somebody else had... um, Daniel had his Mac that was actually got a 486 card in it. So that was pretty cool, actually. He can flip between Mac OS and uh, Windows 3.1. So, yeah, it was still a Mac, though. But anyway, yeah, no, it's pretty cool, that. So that was pretty good. There was a 386 comp. So a couple of the boys there had a benchmark that they were running. Funny thing about that is one of the lads had been talking about getting his machine up and running all month, or last couple of months he's going to kick everyone's ass. And then the other guy was in the competition basically pulled it out of the shed took it down there turned it on and beat him by a couple of frames so he was pretty impressed with the fact that it just uh, he managed to just get it over the line he said to me afterwards he said oh this thing's knackered like can't do anything else can't play any games bloody hard he runs dos but it just runs that benchmark like a bloody god so it was pretty funny actually so yeah uh, one of the other guys greg he had a pico gus so the Gravis Ultrasound little board. I tried to buy one uh, a couple of months ago, and I missed out because I, I got the notification they were back in stock. But I got one at 5 in the morning, and I just happened to be sitting there, and I was like, "Oh!" So, yeah, that also emulates uh, some Sound Blaster cards. But a lot of those old 486 early Pentium demos, you need a Gravis Ultrasound card to be able to actually run any of those demos. It won't even fire up. If you haven't got a sound card, it just crashes back to DOS. So, Yeah. Graham had a couple of cool old school machines there. He had a DOS two point one machine, I think it was, and he's got his old HP touchscreen, which is actually not a touchscreen. It's actually got like uh, all around the edge of the actual monitor. It's actually got little light lasers that fire out, and it actually uses positional. So when you, you're basically breaking the connection on the screen, so that's a pretty cool little thing. I've seen it before.
0: Yeah, um, I was. Uh, I I think I've seen those ones. It's like. Um, oh. I'm not thinking Adrian might have done, might have fixed something like that. I know he fixed like yeah, he has, yes, HP yep. a while back. So I reckon, Spot on. yeah, it's hard to hard to describe. It kind of looks a bit like the, um, the IBM PS1, but obviously the PS1 came out about 10 years later. But you know, that sort of all in one really cute little form factor, if that's what I'm thinking of.
1: Yeah, it is a very cool looking machine. So yeah, Graham has bought that along before. That, that that was running a weird bloody version of DOS as well, so I also took, I had a compact 5300, I think, which had MechWarrior 3 running on it, and I had my old Sidewinder Pro, bloody force feedback. You know, so that gives you a bit of a kick when your couple of dudes jumped on that and started playing the old MechWarriors. That was pretty cool, running through some Roland speakers, so we had that cranked up a bit, so that was pretty cool. So, yeah, no, it was well attended, and, uh, yeah, is always a pretty popular one. Next meet is on the 12th of January, uh, Aussie theme being January and all, so yeah, we tend to break out a few Aussie machines. Otherwise, that, it's free-for-all, bring whatever you like, so yeah.
0: Maybe a few microbees next month, that sort
1: of thing? Yeah, there's a dude on Aus Vintage that always gives us, gives me a hard time, oh, there's no pictures of microbees, so there is a couple of, Graham's got a micro bee. I'll make sure there's a microbee there, how about that, we'll sort, we'll sort out the microbees. <laughs>
0: thing is, though, is that microbees, for some reason, they just weren't really a thing in South Australia. I I get they were huge, particularly in New South Wales, because uh, the schools had them all, because it was, I mean, microbee had the government contract. But South Australia, just, we were like, it's all Apple and BBC over
1: here. Yeah, we were a lot smarter. Yeah, we were a lot smarter having BBCs, I reckon.
0: It wouldn't necessarily say that. The BBC Micro was a fantastic machine and I love it. But you've got to remember the Micro B was a pretty important machine for Australia. It was the most successful Australian-made machine ever that was actually built from the ground up here in Australia. Someone will let us know if my facts are incorrect. Even today, Australia, I know we're all federated or whatever, but states just have their own different quirks and for whatever reason, we didn't really have Micro Bs over here.
1: It is what it is. but youtube underdogs look i'll be pretty quick with all this i come across this bbc dude because i'm still trying to get my bbc master going sort of you know just scouting around so least significant bite he seems a pretty cool bbc dude he actually like, had a like a like a dos or well, sorry a rom switcher so he could move between the different operating systems and uh, file systems on the bbc so yeah i found him quite interesting he'll be in the show notes There's another dude, Alexander the OK, which is a bit of a random name. He has done an awesome wrap up about how Elite did all of its graphics. So I'm a huge fan. Uh, Obviously, you probably like the bit of the old uh, Elite, Tony, because you're a BBC nut.
0: I reckon I saw that video and it's fantastic if it's the one I'm thinking of. It's it's well worth a watch
1: yeah it is it goes through basically more on the side of the graphics, so yeah crack onto that so that's worth having a bit of a look anything on uh, your underdog side there tony yeah well, while we're in britain i don't know if it's an underdog so much as a super group
0: but there's a channel that's just started recently called big red arrow club and what it is i mean it's only got like about 200 subs last time i checked but what it is is a bunch of British retro YouTubers have gotten together to do a collaborative type channel. The biggest one involved is Control Alt Race, and he's like got about 20,000 yeah, subs cool. or whatever. But, mo- but most of them are kind of in that sort of smaller sort of area. And a lot of our friends from the UK that we've mentioned in the past, such as Lee from More Fun Making It, Lee Smith, Rose Tinted Spectrum, Snorkers, those sorts of guys. CIG, your mate, they've all been involved with this, and the thing that they do really well is that every month they have a roundtable discussion, and it's well worth having a listen and a bit of a watch because they just talk about some really cool stuff. The most recent one they were talking about, well, it was a little bit inside baseball as far as YouTube goes, but if you want to see how the sausage is made or you have kind of wanting to have a crack at making a YouTube channel yourself, it's well worth listening to because these guys have got a very good perspective, and I reckon... You know, if you like these guys and their own channels, you might very well enjoy the Big Red Arrow Club. Over the past few years, it's become obvious that the preservation of computer and video game history is becoming more and more important. The race to get this stuff preserved is on. Thankfully, there are people out there who are doing this sort of preservation, including the National Film and Sound Archive in Canberra, They have a dedicated archivist. His name's Chris Arneal, and Craig spoke of him a little while ago to talk about his work.
1: All right, Uh, today we have Chris Arneal from the National Film and Sound Video Archive. Now, uh, just a little bit of background. I popped up some pictures of some random public domain Australian discs, the old Hinch demo, which uh, appeared on the Amiga back in the 90s, and Chris Horder hit me up via email and said, oh, he worked at the Archive he'd be pretty keen if we could get a copy of those discs or, or get a copy of the originals. And I sort of, a little bit of back and forth, I said, yeah, look, mate, you can take these. Uh, the guy I got them off sat in the cupboard for probably 20 years, so no point in having them sit there for another 20 years in my cupboard. And, uh, yeah, a bit more turn and throwing, and we sort of organised uh, to also have a bit of a chat. Who sort of knew that we were doing a podcast. And then the funny thing was I actually sort of half lost the discs, and it wasn't until my last podcast I got a box of discs out and – to raised my microphone up and I went through the box of discs and I went, oh, there's those bloody discs there. Awesome. So, sent them across to Chris and we sort of finally managed to make a bit of a time. So, yeah, Chris, how are you? And, um, you know, what's a bit of your background, mate?
3: Yeah, I'm fantastic, and thanks, Craig. Thanks so much for those discs as well. It's great to have them in the Film and Sound Archive collection. Yes, um, so I'm the I'm the digital games curator here at the NFSa, um, which is a new position for us. Well, newish. I've been around um, been around the organisation for a long time since 2010, um, working mainly in curatorial and a bunch of roles, getting stuff into the collection. Um, but, yeah, we kind of always known that games uh, and, and certain uh, parts of software as well, like demos, f- feel uh, felt uh, firmly within our remit of things that we really should be collecting and figuring out how to do properly. Um, so, we're, we're a national uh, organization, government organization, um, and the National Archive for uh, all audiovisual material. Uh, produced in the country or about Australia as well. Um, and cool. so, yeah, we, we we started a project team in, we had a, a traveling exhibition. Um, we do exhibitions with the spaces on site here in Canberra as well. So, we had a, the Game Masters exhibition that some people may have seen down in Acme, um, traveled, traveled the globe, and then uh, we ended up hosting it uh, on site in 2019. And our director at the time was uh, had sort of pioneered video game collecting, uh, where he'd previously been director at um, the Institute for Sound and Vision in the Netherlands, sort of our equivalent audiovisual archive in the Netherlands, Um, and was really yeah, and and was you know um, it's great to to have people you know in at at that level in your executive team really caring about games preservation
1: and and probably see that properly. Yeah, I can see that tie in probably with a bit of the demo scene was always good over in in Europe as well. So he's probably. Oh yeah,
3: a, yeah, yeah, a yeah, exactly. Affinity. Yeah. Well, he he told stories about you know hanging out in unsavory arcades in in the Netherlands Beautiful. in um in the eighties, yeah. which is good Fair stuff. Cool. Um. So yeah, he 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 put together a bit of a project team of um people internally, both on the curatorial side. Where I am um, on our technical side, so um, uh, doing digital preservation work, so doing actual, you know, disk imaging, emulating, um, having some of that experience previously. So we we were just getting into it and we were like, okay, let's pick the hardest um, bits of, uh, you know, let, let, let's pick the hardest selection of games that we think um, uh, we can do. So we chose... Games with, you know, a lot of versions, old games, new games, VR games, um, you know, games that only existed in a digital form. So, we had we had a selection of eight titles, um, yep. all, all produced and made in Australia. That taught us a lot um, about how to actually do the work and, you know, how to get our systems in place to actually preserve the games as well. And then from there, we realized, you know, this is a full-time job it needs to have people looking after it um, especially for wanting to sort of be that you know archive for for everything given how much uh, uh, how much of a long history we have here um, you know not just in uh, demo scenes and um, homebrew um, creation but you know the industry itself um, from the early 80s on and you know our history before that even um, in terms of you know some of the distributors here and Dick Smith and the like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had a lot of catching up to do. Uh, and so, eventually, a position was created, which I'm in, um, I've been in since about August last year, getting to hire someone else in the next few weeks, which, which is great as well. So, we'll have even more people um, uh, yeah. working on games preservation and dedicated to it. That's awesome.
1: I'll have to move to Canberra. No. Nah.
3: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, it will be great to... For you to have a visit yeah.
1: too. No, great. that's that's definitely on the list and I'm hoping there could be a bit of a show there sometime next year for um in in sync with the museum. So did your awesome. col- did your collection sort of just become granular and just all of a sudden somebody started going, geez, we've got a fair bit of content here. I reckon we can probably make a complete, you know, separate archive, or was it just slowly built up?
3: No, it was sort of the, sort of the opposite. It was like um we've you know our collection kind of dates back in terms of film from to in in one form and another uh, back to the film library of the 1930s um we've been around well, as a dedicated audiovisual institution since the 1980s um since 1984 um and which is strange at the time because if you think of the australian games industry in 1984 with beam software and all the um it would have been you know near its height at that time, um, right. yet we were really focused on film uh, and, you know, published sound recordings, um, oral histories. Like, film back then was really seen as quickly deteriorating, in, especially in terms of nitrate yep. film, so that's where the focus was. Computers right. were something that you did your work on rather than, you know, <laughs> archived even... the things that came from the computer. Yeah. yeah. So, it was this real shift that seems to happen, like, you know, the – like film in the 1930s, archives kicking off around the world, you know, yeah. yet it had been a form for, you know, 40 years or longer. It, it sort of takes – there's a – at least institutionally, I know games preservation has been a thing online for a long time, but institutionally yeah. it, takes, it takes a while for that shift to recognise, hang on, there's actually something to this medium. We should be looking after it. People are studying it. Game studies have been a thing for, um, you know, more than 20 years now. So, um, it was more just like – there's more and more material being produced uh, but no one's really looking after it in an institutional context there's fantastic um, work that hobbyists like yourself and um, collectors the around the country and the yeah, pipe pirate- well yet yeah, you know it's yeah. it's the, it's the only way these things um, can be totally. looked after uh, um uh, and that's part of the story too, you know. Australia being at the yeah. end of the distribution chain is, you know, that's that's the only Pretty way much. that some people are able to play things. So yeah. that's definitely a part of the story that we're we're telling as well. But yeah, it's like, so it was more just like, um, how do we actually do this, and how do we do it properly? Um, we had we we kind of had an accidental collection of software for a long time, right. you know, whether yeah. it be something shoved in the back of an audio CD or just. You know, when we get a big collection from an artist or, or a filmmaker, right. and they've got stuff on floppy disks or you know um, bits and pieces here and there, but had kind of never, never, never dedicated anyone fully to the job. So, so we're kind of working backwards. We've got a lot of catching right. up to do. Our collection's kind of grown from about thirty items to about eight hundred in the past year, and that's oh, wow. just that's just software titles. Um, uh, we co- uh, we collect around that as well. So we're looking at magazines. We're looking at um, you know publicity material, advertising, um, every- everything that that you know games themselves don't tell you how they were created or how, no, how people right. interacted with them. So, you need need to collect around um, yep. to tell the story. Online communities, you know, early internet communities kind of, um, yeah. So, so our collections growing very quickly now that we've got, um, uh, you know, myself dedicated to the job and, and and that team growing as well. So, yeah, we're kind of starting from scratch. Um, uh, but thankfully, you know, there's a couple of institutions around the world here and there doing similar things that I chat to and, and we can learn from.
1: So a lot of that early stuff on like tape before we got to disc was sort of on cassette tape, or is it even earlier than that? Is it have you got much?
3: Like yeah, so, um, yeah, not not too much, um, in terms of um, the punch card. I would love, I, I'm really trying to just collect as wide a variety of formats as possible. Um, yeah. so yeah, if anyone out there has you know stuff that they've made on punch card, that would be amazing. Um, please reach out to me. Um but yeah, tape sure. for a lot of the early material, you know, the early um early uh S eighty stuff and the Dick Smith
1: um uh, yeah, these the, are 200 these uh, yes um, yeah a fair yeah, bit of that um, stuff there's I mean a lot of that stuff's archived now obviously yeah, yeah yeah and yeah
3: yeah and and um and also like the uh the Sega, the uh SC three thousand um yes. was yep. you know reasonably popular here more so than you know um at at least popular ish here uh in new zealand um and of course japan as well so yeah we we, um bits and pieces and yeah, some of the stuff that's like reaching out to collectors like yourself um having a look around seeing what pops up on ebay um and just like knowing what was even made here is is part of the battle. Like, you know, you see these yes, totally ROM ROM sets and listings online and and you might see you're lucky to see someone's name, but it but it might just appear as a title otherwise. So actually going, oh hang on, that you know, doing the detective work and going, oh, that has a Australian company proprietary limited at the the back of it, so it must be an Australian company and kind of figuring out a list of what you even want to get in the archive, uh, you know, you, you, you're you creating that from scratch as well. But it's also, yeah, reaching out to hobbyists and members of the community and Facebook
1: groups, um, the, uh, which, you know, enthusiasts. Yeah, this is the way you sort of got to chase it. It's interesting because there's a guy called Nick Morentis who is in the 20s. Mm. Donut Dilemma, start. yeah. Yeah, and look, he's still writing games now. He'd be a great one to sort of look at a bit of a, you know, 40 years of, you know, Fashion stuff out on the tandy. He's still writing games. That's quite amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. People like, you know, John Passfield with writing stuff for the Micro B and um, yep. then with the rise of his studio Chrome and and still making, you know, Apple Watch games and iOS games. It's, it's amazing that, you know, like the people are still around to tell the story, which is really important too. So that's the other yes. thing we're doing. And, um, would love to do more of as well as getting those oral histories recorded and down. Um, yeah. So, you know, having having people sitting down with them for, you know, uh, a few hours, getting them to tell their story, recording it, and putting that in the archive as well because um, that's the only, you know, we're collecting information and that's the only way you you, you really can record and get some of those stories down. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, you're doing, doing you it while be. you can is really important.
1: Yeah, we must admit, we interviewed a, a fellow last month and yeah, he ran a BBS. And it, yeah, just the knowledge he had was amazing. Even he, he himself said it was great to be able to capture what he was talking about because he'd sort of forgotten. Yeah.
3: And yeah, there's so much in people's heads. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, those little touch points. I used to go to Adelaide Amiga user group in 1989 and the guy there, Jonathan Potter, wow. wrote Directory Opus, which is some Australian software for the Amiga, which is out on the PC yep. as well. He's still kicking it out. Yep. And you, you know, you end up with those little touch points. Those people that yeah. oh, I used to knock around with him, and he's still going. It's great to be yes. able to get up those stories, but I guess you can't capture anything. Even chasing people for the podcast, it's, it's hard work trying to some of these older people who have set stuff up, and they're just, yeah, so hard and to get contact with.
3: And sometimes, yeah. And sometimes it's just trying to convince people of what they've done is super important too. Where they're like, "Oh no, no, I was just a kid, you know, I was just writing stuff on the family, on the family computer." Um, but you're like, "No, you're yeah. one of the first making making games in this country, and that's actually a really important thing." So, yeah, I think it's people people maybe underselling themselves or under undervaluing their own stories as well. Where you have to kind of go in and go, "No, you, you know, you're you're part of history of this country, even if it's a, um, you know, you might think it's a niche corner, but yeah, you know." looking at people that are creating things digitally today and and um, the origins of, of digital creation, it's, yeah, it's a story that
1: really needs to be told. Look, uh, yeah, I think it's awesome that you're trying to capture as much as you can. How do you, um, so do you actually have some machines there for archiving yourself that you, or do you get some, do you sort of outsource that or you do yep. it internally?
3: Yeah, yeah, we've, um, we were pretty well set up at the beginning for looking after things like magnetic media, given, you know, that we've, we've been digitizing. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've been digitizing audiovisual material for a long time. Um, So, you know, we've, we've got like uh, cryoflux, uh, grease weasel, some bits and pieces for, for disk imaging. Um, uh, Scott McCoy is our digital media manager and he's, you know, he, he also um, does it as a hobby, so you find the people that, that fall into the work that, that have the experience outside of work. Um, and, yeah, yeah he, he's fantastic for being able to handle uh, hand over a, a weird format and say, see how you go with this <laughs> and see what it yeah, comes back with. Um, so, yeah, we've got that digital preservation team with that experience as well, which is really important in an archive as well that you're not... Because a lot of the work worldwide in the in the game space is happening. You know, it's weird. It, it's It's... Um, it's it's a little different for us to be an audiovisual archive just dedicated to audiovisual media. Worldwide, that's um, not really common. There's a lot of film archives oh. focused on archiving film, and there's libraries where some some people might collect software and games in a library. But you can imagine an organization that's used to books; they might be used to digitizing books or scanning you know scanning books. When they're when they're dealing with software, they kind of might have to. You know start from the ground up in terms of the workflows and technology and um ways of digitizing that material so we we got pretty lucky in terms of our, our in-house expertise um yeah. but it, we're also talking to people around the country um working out what other institutions are doing talking to hobbyists working working out their workflows um 'Cause it's you know, you know, film film digitization is is standardized. Um, like video digitization, there's there's published right. standards for that. We're kind of just at the beginning of standards for for software digitization. You know, a lot of it's happened in the in the online, you know, communities and and people looking to emulate and and dumping things. Um so there's some good, you know, guides, but but for for um, institutional standardization. We're just at the beginning of that. So, it's always, we're always learning um, and we're always working out what new technology and bits and pieces we might need. But yeah, that, that's part of the fun bit at the beginning is going, that's oh, here's beautiful. a, you know, turbographic CD. I'm going to give that to him yeah. and see, see if he can get something off it. Yeah.
1: Sounds, sounds like in some ways you guys are sort of leading the way and maybe trying to put some of those standards together yourself. Do you? Yeah. Do you that, get, that, yeah. That, Sorry, Craig. You are leading the way. You reckon in some ways.
3: Oh, I was going to say that there's there's organisations like um the Software Preservation Network, which is yep. um and and uh the Digital Preservation Coalition as well. So they they're kind of like open for for all in terms of membership. Um, but a lot of US university archives that have been doing it for a long time. Um, part right. of the the Software Preservation Network as well. So they've got like um groups looking at metadata they've got groups looking at the legal side because you know some countries we're 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 pretty lucky in australia we're able to um rely on copyright exceptions to make you know access copies of things actually dump discs and pull pull um uh, and make preservation copies of software and make it accessible but there's countries in in europe and around the world that Don't have even for libraries and archives. Don't have games are treated differently or software is treated differently. So still copyrighted. Even even yeah well we'll, yeah yeah, like um to to be able to make a, a a copy of it um. don't have those exceptions so they're just sitting on a shelf and you know if someone wants to view them they have to have the original hardware
1: they have to get it running on
3: the original hardware and and you know that's not not really sustainable in in the future unless you've got engineers on site constantly you know (laughs) maintaining the hardware and and rolling it out the front yeah yeah Yeah, so um we're, we're kind of you know copyright we know is is always a bit behind, um, or a lot behind, in terms of the reality, in terms of, um, uh, uh, especially around um, anything digital and software. Um, totally. But we're, we're kind of um, pretty lucky in the country that that some of it, at least, is set up for us to be able to do our work.
1: Yeah. Do you do you end up with like random stuff, or it's like someone's dropped a box of tapes in, or a box of discs, discs, and you're you're not really sure what they're for? So someone's got to. Half oh, scratch through and yeah. get what they are. That'll be probably fun.
3: Yeah, well. that's always that's always fun. Yeah, or, or you know, um, we because you know we're li- we're literally a big building and people can Google us and and, and rock up. So um, right. sometimes it's a bit it's a bit tricky when you're like, oh, we'll take this this I don't know. You know, these are kind of just games. You look like you copied. Um, I'm always I'm always happy to chat to people though and. um and and see what people have got. Um, But yeah, you'd you'd imagine it's, you know, uh, and hobbyists would know if you've got a whole heap of floppy disks with just no label on it um, yeah. to go through everything and work out is this gold? Is this something that's been dumped before, or what actually is this? You know, it takes time. Um, so yeah, I've got a few of those around my desk that I'm like, I really need to just see what yeah. see what these things are. But yeah, we we had um we had a story on the ABC a few months back with my colleague yeah. uh, Joanna McMahon, um, and it was great. Some. Some developers from the 80s and 90s reached out to us after that story. Um, oh, sweet. Some people around Canberra were just like, I've just got an Amstrad that's been sitting in my garage gathering dust. Can you do anything with it? So, yeah, we're always happy to have a look awesome. at hardware and equipment and, you know, anything that can help us either um, digitize material or we – I love to do demos, especially for kids on site as well on like school, yep. you know, school holiday programs or we get a lot of school kids through as people listening may have remembered. Coming here uh, in their childhood on their, um, you know, uh, mandatory trip to Canberra in Year Six or whenever it was. So yeah, but p- people coming through, um, I just love to show them bits and pieces from my childhood and confuse them. Whether it be, you know, the old chunky Game Boy and just yeah. kind of um, blow blow their mind at the <laughs> at the uh, sewer green screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. always fun fun to see how they react. So yeah, I love to have bits of hardware sitting around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a bit of association with the museum at all? If you're after a machine, uh, the Canberra Computer Museum there, is it? Oh, or is that, am I wrong? Is that in Sydney?
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the the uh, Computer Museum Society is in Sydney. Um, yeah. The the uh, vintage Based. computer crew in Canberra, I have a chat yeah. to as well. So, um, uh, I've been to uh, their last fair, which was amazing as well, um, just to see everything out and working. And that's... That's the the part of it I like. You know, you can you can provide access to things by by emulation, but there's something about because um, by the time you know personally, by the time I was into computers and games, Microsoft had already won that battle. So I was you know yeah. started around the end of DOS and, and Windows three point one and the like. Um, so it's great to see the kind of Chaos that, that existed before then that came a bit before my time in terms of um, the the variety of systems and what was actually out there. So um, that that was that was new to me. So it's great to see um, bits but and pieces machines. actually working. Yeah. So yeah, I I love those things and those events. I think they're they're wonderful.
1: Nothing like a eight bit dance party. Um, we we- <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we I'm tied up with Adelaide Retro, and we have a meet every month. So there's always yeah random machines and consoles coming through there. It's a really good display, and you know it's all hands on. So it's, it's great that you can you know get that tactile experience. And new people come in and go, oh wow, I didn't know this was in Adelaide. They get a bit excited. Yeah, I can, I can imagine what your um your displays are like. So what? Yeah, know you've got a and, new. You know, so you've just you, you've launched a new display, or you've actually you're, what are you opening up?
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of a, um, a new exhibition in our renovated library that will be open. It's not dedicated to, to games or computers, but, but all of um, our audiovisual collection in particular. Um, right. So, we've managed to sneak a couple of um, uh, bits of game, Australian games history into that. So, yeah, if people are in Canberra, um, definitely pop down. Uh, next month I think it's open in a couple of weeks so yeah pop down in December um, and and get along but yeah we'll be doing more and more uh, games events um, yeah, cool. like uh, game masters previously around the place and the building yeah. um, I'm just you've you've immersed me in the in the uh, amiga demo scene now Craig so I'm <laughs> um, deep into it with things like the the hinge demo. So I'm, I'm like, what can we do with, uh, re-? yeah. So I, I, really want to um explore that space as well. So non-game specific stuff, but, but the the demo scene and, and demo discs and the like. So yeah, look out yeah. for more and more. And currently in the foyer, it's just um a small display, but I've got my. Childhood Game Boy uh, oh, in, cool. in a showcase along with the, the Australian-specific one and a few Australian games in there too. So, just, yeah, walking walking through the foyer every day and seeing that is pretty special going, you know, everyone's everyone's looking at this thing I played for hours, you know, on under tables in pubs and stuff as a kid. So, um, yeah. yeah, like, I think everyone has that personal collection to uh, personal connection to, to the, this equipment and these games because, you know, they've
1: spent hours in front of them. Totally. My wife's got a giftware shop, and she won't let me put a Commodore sixty four in there, so I think it's a bit rough. Myself, I'd like oh, to. I said I can, yeah. I can set you up a retro retro display, but she's, you know, not really uh, not keen for it. But yeah, uh, so, some more negotiation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll get something in there one day. Um, have you got a yeah. much much stuff for yourself? Obviously, you got a Game Boy there. You've got a little bit of bit of retro kicking around, home.
3: Yeah, I've I've kind of had uh, like I I, I think. Kind of always been um, more console focused than than PC. But as I was saying, yep. you know, definitely shareware around the beginning, um, uh, you know, whatever I could get my hands on in terms of um, uh, discs um, and DOS games uh, later yes. on, sharing those around the playground was just yeah. kind of fully Ooh. absorbing anything that I could actually play. Um, and then yeah,
1: a, I think... Good era. Good era, I think.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, um and you know, connect, connecting with John Passfield was amazing because I would play a heap of Halloween Harry, um, <laughs> not knowing that that was made in Brisbane, and just just kind of blowing my mind of going, oh, this, you know, this this thing that you just kind of play, you're not thinking about who actually made it and how close yeah. they are to you. So yeah, that that was a favourite of mine. Um, any any uh, so it was kind of like you know, what was it, Wacky Wheels? Kind of any you know any yeah, any um, yeah. strange shareware that you just kind of get. Um, on on a CD, and then um, all the PCs I had after that were were kind of like not really up to spec for for playing games in the Windows era. So I'd have um, I think the Super Nintendo was was my big introduction, um, uh, and then and then was kind of like bouncing between you know whatever I could get running on on my pcs and then um going from from owning bits of consoles uh uh and handhelds um and then had kind of have kind of all owned most of the major consoles since then um so kind of naturally accumulated a collection as you play um have tried to to you know not um once you, once in, once you move into your own place and you're like okay this is how much stuff yeah. i'm actually taking up in the shed um trying to keep it under control and and buying as much digitally as i can now which i'm you know, where yeah. is a whole yes. other issue in terms of not actually owning anything, um, which is a bit sad. So, yeah, I can, my outlet now is work and I can go, okay, I'm collecting, <laughs> collecting, yeah, I'm yeah. building the collection oh. that's going to outlast me at yeah. work. And then, um, you know, play play for fun at home and not and and get my f- uh, feel of collecting
1: um, with well, what okay. I do at work. Yeah. I like it. It's for my job. Yes. Yeah, like- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I exactly. Think I think I still yeah.
3: see... I th- I've made a couple of trips to, you know, Japan, and when, when you're yeah, in the retro stores yeah. there, you're still like, yeah. oh, I could, I could get Go this, man. I could fit this <laughs> in somewhere. Yeah, Go yeah. Man. Or if you're um, anyone who's been into the book offs or hard offs, there, you know, just the big tubs of uh, of the old Japanese games that that are like a couple of bucks each. You're like, Go yeah, man. I've. I've I, yeah, I have I have brought home a few of those just to have. Cause you're like, oh, this is a box copy of of this um, yeah. Famicom game, so I think I need to own this. So yeah, here and there, um, yeah, where where the opportunity is presented itself, yeah, definitely.
1: Box art is awesome. And I think back in the day, like you had a fair few pirated PC games coming through, but when you bought a console and you actually, you, were, you had to know, slug up for 50 or 60 bucks, you actually made yeah. sure you got your 50 or 60 bucks worth out of that game. You just played the hell out of it because you know, you weren't getting another one. So yeah. Like, um, you know,
3: yeah. And as a kid, like you don't have that real, like for a game to be bad, it has to be really bad for you to realize this is terrible. <laughs> you know, like I remember playing, um, uh, it wasn't until later in life, even having a Super Nintendo, that I played Super Metroid and um, yep. you know uh, Link to the Past and all, all the big hitters on the Super Nintendo because I was playing like Revolution, what was it, Revolution X, and the <laughs> and then um, the old arcade game and then like the Ren and Stimpy one and um, yeah. like. So, you know, I, I, I had, you know, a few of the Mario games, but you're like, I just, you just play whatever you could get. And then, and then looking back, you're like, oh, yeah, I should have you know, looked a Got bit a, wider. But, a whole pile of other um,
1: games there. Yeah, I was too busy yeah. to playing my, my Amiga, mate. So um, I sort of half missed the console because I had an Amiga. I was just too busy copying, copying and pirating games, I think. Just,
3: that was, yeah, I'm sorry about that, because <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, 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 I think, um, that was kind of peak gaming in terms of, um, yeah, it, it blows my mind what people were doing on the Amiga back then, and, and the freedom in terms of you know the amount of games and, and bits and pieces that you could play, and 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 other bits of yeah. software. Yeah, I think that that was a real golden age,
1: crazy time. So, what can people do if they do you think they might have a bit of random Aussie software in their collection? How do they get it to you or contact?
3: Yeah, just um. Yeah, just, just get in contact with me. Just Google me and it's pretty easy to, to reach out from there or, or get in contact with the NFSA. Um, yeah, if you've got anything that you made yourself, if you've got um, collections that you've been going um need to do something about this um want to make things more accessible um we don't just have exhibitions on site but you know um researchers and people that are interested in studying games um, people that are interested in playing games we provide access to those materials as well so um yeah just just google the
1: nfsa uh and uh have a look at us and um yeah work out where your collection might fit yeah look i'll put some links in the show notes i think that's that's great that people who yeah, well, it's sort of funny. I guess if you have written a game and it's sitting on a tape somewhere, I did watch a YouTube clip. Somebody tried to recover a tape game from his neighbours from thirty odd years ago, and he managed to actually get the thing to work. But it wasn't the game he thought it was. That's so quite. In, you know, I love that sort of restoration, and you know, yeah, we're to get this thing to work. It's bloody cool. And I'm sure there'd be yeah, and out there, I and threw the, all my yeah, stuff it, Unfortunately,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a common thing, um, and like. The Other thing is not just the games but artwork and bits and pieces. So, um, been talking to people about you know, they, they might have made box art or um, yeah. uh, uh, done um, uh, design documentation for games as well, which is gold, um, you know, because there's only one copy of it, um, a lot of it hasn't been scanned yeah. or appears online elsewhere. So, so that material too, but yeah, of course, you know, people. People move house, things things get lost. Um, people want to hang on to things for their kids, but they they go missing. So yeah, um, but yeah, if you if if you've got things that you know are important, or even if you you know, um, uh, yeah, just just reach out and have a chat with
1: us. And a, sort of a bit of a personal one. Um, we used to sit around and play the rat bag games, power slide, lead foot. I don't yes. know if you guys have got the Any? Have you got much of their gear? Because we used to play that. For yeah, parties like we'd go hammering tongs on that. Actually. One of the ladies that comes to retro night, she's come before. She's good friends with those guys, so it'd be interesting to see. You've got a bit of a display there, or they've given you a bit of content.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, we've 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 got uh, quite a lot of their software, both the PC stuff and the console stuff. Um, and yeah, th- those those games are fantastic, and what they were doing in terms of um, pushing the hardware limits at the time uh, is really amazing. So yeah, um, we would would love more, though, especially the the design documentation. So, if anyone out there has any connections,
1: um, yeah, reach out and get in touch. That'd be great. Might see if I can chase that one up, actually. That's really cool. Um, awesome. But the other quick one, dude, is that we always like to, because we are grumpy, I was retro. Do you have a bit of a grump? <laughs> is there anything out there that uh, sort of gives you the shits a bit in terms of?
3: <sighs> yeah. Well, why <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm having to think. At the moment, it's just like um, trying to keep up with things to play. It's been an amazing um, year for for new games. So for for myself, trying to find the time to yeah. to get in to dip into it all has has been tricky. Um, yeah. Um. No, I. I, <laughs> I try to be that's, positive. That's a- yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah.
1: I, yeah i was thinking sort of thinking before just a minute ago there like because no, sometimes i'll get a hoard of you know i'll buy you know a couple of commodore 64s and it'll come with like you know 25 boxes of bloody discs and random stuff in there and look i like yeah. to tend to keep it and try and keep those collections together but i find it a little bit frustrating sometimes people tend to break it up i'll and tell you pull, all, pull all the games yeah out and then they'll, then they'll um, yeah. Sell, them, sell them off and throw all the crap away
3: yeah, and 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 one for me is the the games that we do digitize that we try and copy that just don't work. I think that's that's you know um, that 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 always makes me a bit sad. Where you like, um, you know, the, there's just the with natural degradation of things, and especially the CD-ROMs and bits and pieces that we're collecting. Um, I think people not realizing that they're um, as fragile as they actually are. Um, yeah. And, yeah, even some console games, just, just you know, not being able to get a copy of, of them, things that are, you know, 20 years old, yet alone the floppy disk. So it's like things that you've been really excited and going, oh, this would be great, um, this is a prototype, or this is something that oh, doesn't well. exist anywhere where you just can't get anything off it. Oh, yeah, um, yeah it's prototype. always a bit sad. Yes, you know, so old, that bit, that makes bit, me a bit grumpy,
1: yeah. Bit of the old Yes, bit, right? yeah. Well, that, that's pretty yeah. great that you got a grump. So, I know yeah. I can jump on. You've sent me a link before and I've got on the, there and you've got a massive list of all the items that you got there. So, if somebody thinks they may have some, something, they can jump on there and actually have a look through that list and go, oh, well, that's, you know, well, they may have a... yeah. Just go to
3: nfsa.gov.au, NFSA standing for National Film and Sound Archive, um, and we've got a collection search there. So, um, if you've got something, you can have a look, um, see if it pops up. Or if you're just curious about looking through our software collection, you can have a look there as well. Um, And, yeah, if you've got any other questions, love love to have a chat with people. So, yeah, just reach out.
1: Awesome. Well, Chris, thanks for your time today. It's been excellent. It's been an eye-opener for myself, and hopefully the punters out there, we might be able to dig a little bit of stuff up, or we can maybe chase some people up to get in there and have a bit of a chat with you over the wire. So, look, I appreciate your time, mate.
3: No, thanks so much, Craig. Thanks. It's been great. Anytime.
1: And if I get any more discs or any old random demos, I'll um, flick them your way, mate. (laughs)
3: Awesome. I Yeah, Amiga demos top of my list at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. I, I know um, the ones from the Australian scene. Yeah, if you've got a few of those kicking around, let me know. on. Um, keep looking,
1: mate. I appreciate your time and uh, stay retro. Thanks so much. Cheers, Craig. Yeah, mate. Look after yourself. Bye.
0: Thanks to Chris from the National Film and Sound Archive for his time. And thank you for listening to Grumpy Oz Retro throughout 2023.
1: Stay grumpy and stay retro.
0: Do do your Merry Christmas and Happy New Year shit you were going to do before.
1: Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone. So stay grumpy and stay retro. Thanks for listening.